Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. Tackling training can be quite challenging. Other than getting training sticky, making sure it reaches the right people, Another major concern involves how training for one employee might not work so well for another one. Um, Today, we're going to discuss an approach to training that takes those differences into account. And uh, we're also going to talk about birds. Today's guest is Merrick Rosenberg. He co-founded Team Builders Plus in 1991 and Take Flight Learning in 2012. He's the author of The Chameleon and Taking Flight, two books about tapping into the power of personality. I understand he just released a third book. I'm sure he'll be happy to tell us about that uh, a little bit later on. Merrick reinvented how we learn about ourselves and the people in our lives, and you're going to get a taste of that today. He developed a range of personality-based training programs that are delivered by his staff and a growing network of certified trainers around the world. Merrick has worked with more than half of the Fortune 100 companies, and under his leadership as CEO, Take Flight Learning has been selected as the New Jersey Business of the Year and has repeatedly been named one of the fastest growing companies and best places to work in the Philadelphia area. Merrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Jim. Absolutely. Before we start talking about birds, can you please just quickly define what personality-based training is and why it's so important? Well, people who learn about themselves are clearly the most successful people. People who have a high level of self-awareness, people who understand their strengths, they put themselves in a job where they're going to be successful. So when you put them through personality styles training, they not only learn about themselves, but they also learn about the people that they work with so that they can work with them more effectively. Perfect. Um, All right. So back to the birds. I understand that's a critical part of this. Absolutely. It was time to reinvent personality and teach people in a new way. And, uh, can you just sort of explain explain uh, what you came up with? Well, if you think about the four styles, it's almost an alphabet soup. You you teach people about letters and you go back six months later and that knowledge is just gone. They're like, wait a minute, I'm the D? Wait, which one is that? Wait, the E, <laughs> N? Wait, what the N stand for? And the challenge was you have to memorize that information. So I wanted to have something that's visual that you could look at it and say, yes, I get it. And I almost don't even need to teach you the styles because they're so intuitive. So what I did is I took the classic DISC model, which has been around for a long time, and I linked it to eagles, parrots, doves, and owls. So so here, let's have some fun with it. If I, if I said to you, okay, you have the personality of an eagle, what's the first thing that comes to mind? What would you think that person is like? I guess I would think they're a, a go-getter that's really good at hunting. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Because they care about results. They're all about making things happen, getting it done. It's about making it happen fast. And that's that eagle style. They're take charge, assertive risk takers. So how about a parrot? Like what comes to mind when you think about if somebody had that personality style of a parrot, what do you think they'd be like? I mean, I think they're best known for their repetitive nature, but also their curiosity. Yeah. And, and, and the repetitive nature is they, they talk a lot and they tell the same stories over and over again. <laughs> and, and, the, and that's because they're, they're outgoing, they're social, they're enthusiastic, they're upbeat, and you just get this positive energy from the, someone who has that parrot style. How about, how about the dove? When you think of a dove, what do you think they're all about? 
Well, I have the interesting insight of knowing that doves and pigeons are almost identical. Well, um, yes, it's true, but but the the doves <laughs> have a better PR person than the pigeon. They, sure, they sure do, and you know it makes you think of uh, sort of peaceful people, calm. I mean, uh, I guess these would be the the listeners. I you imagine. got it, and, and notice how I don't have to teach you the styles. You get it. The mm. dove is harmonious. They want people to get along. They're good listeners. They're calm. They're patient. How, how about the owl? When you think of an owl, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I mean, I guess they're they're loners. They're super quiet. They're, they're independent. What... You got it. They're reserved, and, and it's all pretty, you know. It's always that word wisdom. We always think of owls as being wise. I think right. I think every cartoon owl we've ever seen drawn is pictured as wise, and and it's it's not that they're the smart one, but what we find is the owl is very logical and information based, knowledge based. They want to do it right. They have a quality focus. But but notice what we just did. I didn't even need to tell you the characteristics of the four styles. It's so intuitive, you were able to tell me. And if I just taught you a series of letters, you'd have to remember them. But you don't have to remember the birds because they're already right there. They're visual and intuitive for you. Yeah, in fact, we did do this a couple years ago at our job. We did a uh, personality training thing and I don't, I think I was an A something. I don't remember. An exactly A something. Right. And so if you can't remember it, how can you use it? <laughs> and that is, that is in fact the challenge. It's, it's, we have to be able to remember it to use it. And, and the beauty of this is, is if I can teach you the model in two minutes, then we don't need to spend the training program teaching the model. Rather, we can spend the training program focusing on application. And that's really why you do this, not just learning about yourself it's saying okay now that you understand yourself in a deeper way what can you do with that insight so that you can connect with others better i think we're probably gonna have to address the fact that boiling people down to four types is you know there's obviously your, there's some glossing going on and it's not maybe necessarily the most accurate representation how do you handle handle that concern. Well, it, the reality is that nobody is just one style. You have all four of those to varying degrees. So for mm -hmm. me, I'm a parrot. I've got some secondary eagle in there. My owl is kind of in the midline. I, I you know, if I need to be detail oriented, I can do it. Uh, the dove is lower for me. And so I have all four, but I'm a combination of the four styles. But there's probably one or two which are like home base for you that you display those behaviors all the time. It's easy. It feeds you. But when you have to be in a style that's not your own, it probably takes some energy. Do people change? Do they modify? You know, one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, a lot of people don't get to choose their field or maybe they don't get to choose their work environment, you know. So maybe they're a, an an eagle, they're strong as an eagle, but they got put in a secondary role and they don't get to express themselves. So do do people alter themselves or you know, what's the situation with that? Well, first of all, when you work out of your style, it's exhausting. Uh, if you were a parrot mm -hmm. and had to sit in a cubicle eight hours a day crunching data with zero human interaction, you'd be <laughs> like, just kill me now. I, I can't, I just can't do it. Um, but what happens is our styles can change over time. Uh, take someone who graduates from college, they're an owl, secondary eagle, and they're an accountant. So day one, they're in the weeds. I mean, they're working on, on receipts and data. But then fast forward 25 years later into their career, and now they're the CFO of a 250-person company. 
Now their focus is from 10,000 feet. It's finances, it's budgets, it's cash flow and investments, and and they're not in the weeds. And, and that owl style may not be as important as the eagle is. And you may actually see that in their graph. You may see that now they're actually more of an eagle with a secondary owl. And so their style has changed because their behaviors have rewired them. Mm, it's very interesting. Um, one of the topics we've tackled a lot on the podcast and elsewhere is um, things surrounding a lack of emotional intelligence. For example, a, uh, a bully boss that doesn't have the emotional intelligence to know that they're a bully, you know, or harassment, other things like that. Does your model make room for people that aren't going to believe what they are or have, don't have the awareness to know what they are? Well, first of all, in a sense, learning about style is the skill set of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. If you think about what EQ is, it's about self-awareness. That's the first component. But it's also about self-regulation. Can you manage your emotions and behaviors? And then there's social awareness. Can you read others? And then can you manage how you interact with them? And so learning the styles is all about emotional intelligence. And, and what I find is that people overwhelmingly not only agree with their style when they get their report, they look at it, they'll say, yeah, that's me. Uh, but they also, uh, you know, they, they can accurately predict how they're going to respond in different behaviors. People are, are amazingly accurate in predicting their style and understanding their personality. They're incredibly inaccurate in understanding how effective they are. Hmm. In, in other words, if I stand in front of an audience, and I love this question when I stand in front of a large group, I'll say, raise your hand if you're in the top 25th percentile of performers in your organization. <laughs> so how many hands do you think go up in the room? I imagine quite a few. Yep, pretty much all of them. Everybody thinks they're in the top 25%. Now, either I have only ever met the top 25th percentile or some of those people have a perception of themselves that's inaccurate. And, and what that shows us is our perception of our performance is not incredibly accurate, but actually our perception of our style is. Hmm. That's very interesting. It's all very interesting. Um, I imagine that this kind of training has a wide range of applicability um, but our audience is HR managers. So let me ask you, how, how would HR be able to leverage this kind of thing? So think about your daily responsibilities. I mean, in the world of HR, HR, maybe more than any role in an organization, wears so many hats. They, you may be HR generalist and dealing with comp and benefits, which is very owl. You may be dealing with an upset employee, which is very dove. You may need to deal with a toxic employee and you need to put them on, on a plan to, to you know, either remediate their behaviors or move them out. And perhaps you need to be more eagle. You're, you're an HR person and you're looking at culture and you're looking at engagement and morale. That's more parrot. So all of those four styles are going to come into play for that, for that HR manager because we wear so many hats in the HR world. We just need to display all of the styles. And those who are the most flexible that what I call the chameleon are going to be the most successful. Let's talk about the chameleon for a second. I'm not sure I understand it. Well, think about the most successful people are the most flexible people. I'll give you an example. I'm going to go back in time and take someone, a past president. Let's go to Ronald Reagan. He's, a, he's a, an amazing chameleon. This is someone who could flex and adapt 
to the situation. He, imagine him standing in front of an audience and just being funny. And he was a very funny guy and he dialed up that parrot mode. Or imagine Reagan standing at the Berlin Wall, tear down this wall, so eagle. When the Challenger exploded and he gave that very touching speech about the astronauts, that was mm -hmm. the Dove style at play. He shared a tremendous amount of statistics when he was out on the campaign trail. And that's the owl. He was had this ability to display all four styles. Uh, on the other side of the aisle, Bill Clinton did the same thing. Watch him for 10 minutes. It's a master class of public speaking because he's the chameleon. He could display all four styles within a 10-minute speech. Imagine if you're an HR person and you can flex and adapt to any style and what's needed at the moment. At the moment, that's what the chameleon's all about. And someone who has found them a lot of you know a lot of people. I interview HR specialists all the time. I've never met anyone that intended to go into HR from the get-go. People fall into it from all different kinds of fields, you know. And it's I ask myself a lot: What does that mean? What does it mean for HR? What does it mean for, for a role that's continuously growing more complex or people have to do more and more um, different kinds of things and also things that are very critical to the success of a company? You know, and one thing that I'm starting to wonder is if, you know, HR is its own role, its own, uh, I guess, personality type that is like a magnet that pulls these people in from all these different fields. Um, perhaps it's a chameleon magnet. I, I think that's true. I think they need to display all four styles because they interact with people from all different departments. You're going to interact with people from IT, which is typically you'll find a tremendous amount of owls there. You're going to interact with people who are maybe customer service reps who are doves uh, or legal, who could be the, the owls and the eagles or it, it, the parrots over in sales. And you have to be able to be flexible and adaptable. If you can only display one or two styles, which are what show up on your graph, you're going to have a hard time connecting to certain people or certain departments. That's going to be a problem in the HR world. What would you say to someone that has identified this is an issue for themselves, that they're they're having trouble adapting or they're having trouble being everything that they need to be in order to succeed? Like emotional intelligence, this is a learned skill set. You could learn how to display any behavior. Uh, if I saw somebody and I wanted to give them feedback and this person is a dove, I, I could dial up my dove energy for one minute and just simply say, I want to thank you for what you did on that project. You really made a difference. Or I could dial up my parrot energy and say, you were amazing. Energy, passion, loved what you did. Or I could dial up the eagle and say, you helped us achieve our objective. Nicely done. Or I could dial up the owl and give them a tremendous amount of detail. What I would say to those folks is, is look at other people who are those styles. If you have a hard time being an owl or displaying owl behaviors, watch the owls in your organization and see what they do. Because you have examples of all four styles around you and anybody can display any behavior for a few minutes. So look at those folks, see what they're doing and just replicate what they've done, model off of them. It wasn't too long ago that there's a series of legislation that went through that gave uh, companies the similar kinds of powers and definitions that individuals have. And this idea that companies are people now was kind of born. Um, are they susceptible to the same kinds of styles? 
are there eagle companies and owl companies oh yeah it, it absolutely when you think about culture of different companies around the world you know it, it go it often goes back to the ceo you look at someone like a herb kelleher at southwest airlines it's this very parrot style get onto a southwest airlines plane it feels different than if you get onto an american airlines or united or delta it has a parrot energy and that comes from the top zappos shoes is another parrot energy type of culture uh, look at go go to google and type in zappos uh, workplace in the image search, and it looks like a parrot has exploded everywhere <laughs> with ball pits and meetings in jail cells. It's just, it's just fun and it's funny. Uh, whereas you go to a Lockheed Martin, this is an owl world filled with engineers, and it's and they, they complete requests for proposals that are three hundred pages long, and it just has an owl culture because that's who staffs that organization. So without a doubt, culture is is embodied the embodiment of the styles of the people who are there. And that's often driven by what they do. One of the issues that companies that um, are, are, let's say, call them culturally challenged companies that have, they have like, everyone has a company culture, whether they, they know it or not. Some companies don't know it and their culture almost always suffers because of that. Cause they're not, they're not, really getting strategic about who are we, what is our values, and how do we all accomplish that. You also have other companies that think they have a different culture than the one that they do. I think they're probably the most dangerous um, for their employees' well-being because they, they are being hypocritical and everyone's very sensitive to that. They're saying here, we value freedom and expression. And then meanwhile, they're out there taking posts down on glass, you know, uh, and putting fake posts up on Glassdoor or something like that. Um, so the challenge is always with trying to get, you know, get a company to understand that they might have a company culture problem is to like get them to know they have one, identify what it is, and then identify what they want it to be. Um, is that something that you've encountered and that interacts with with your system? You're you're exactly on target. What you find is that you're either a passive recipient of culture or a co-creator of culture, and every company has a culture. The question is, is it created with intention, or do you believe you just allow it to happen? Uh, and what you can find is that in companies that are more owl and eagle, that are more task focused because the owl wants it right, the eagle wants it now, let's get it done. Their culture tends to be very driven. It tends to be about quality and getting things done and having processes and systems. Whereas if you looked at a culture created by parrots and doves, parrots want engagement, they want fun. Doves want people to be happy and be comfortable. Those folks would probably say to you, and these are the ones who would say, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Because for them, their intentionality is a culture that's for the people, whereas the eagles and the owls often create culture for the results. And so you can clearly see where is your focus? Is it on, on the people or is it on getting it done? And style plays out when they create that. Is that something that, I'm not really sure how to word this, but you know, you mentioned that the, the cultures are often and the personality styles are often led by the leader. And that's certainly something that we've encountered before. Um, you know, I'm kind of envisioning everyone with like a little uh, emblem over their head, you know, 
<laughs> we we actually have these little <laughs> six inch desktop birds on every desk, so they're oh, really? they're sitting right there. Yeah, oh yeah. Or or people will go through and they'll put uh, some organizations over a thousand employees have a little uh, parrot or eagle or dove or owl on their on their name badge, uh, so the people know. All right, I you know you walk up and you see that eagle looking at you, and you're like, all right, get to the point quickly. <laughs> yeah, so I can sort of envision like you know, um, uh, let's say during a, a time of change, a new CEO comes in. So you've had sort of an equilibrium ideally before then where everybody sort of fits together and then a new guy comes in, he's different. And you could sort of see that that personality that he has is going to flow through the organization and make a lot of changes. Um, and some people are going to be really good at that. And some people are going to be challenged by that. Is that something that you've ever engaged with when you talk about that? It, it plays out because that manager is perhaps brought in because I'll give you an example of this. I worked with an organization. It was actually a, li a state library system that had a state library director who had been there like 40 years. She was a dove. They didn't have radical change, but they had a nice culture and people liked working there. Well, the world of libraries has changed and they brought in a new director to shake things up, bring in new technology and, and turn libraries into, into something that's really valuable today and, and evolve them because the world is evolving. And so you have to grow and adapt. So the, you've got a, a world of, of doves and owls running all these libraries throughout the state. And all of a sudden you bring in the eagle mm. and that eagle's job is shake things up, new technology, new systems, change everything. How do you think everybody felt about that? Do you think they said, oh, great, somebody's <laughs> coming in and is changing everything. This is fantastic. Just what we needed. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that's exactly you what could, they thought. <laughs> exactly. They were like, great, this is awesome. Well, you, you could probably guess what it was like when she came in. Uh, and so there was a lot of conflict and, and people weren't happy. And, and the reality was she was doing what she was hired to do. They brought her in for that reason. And when I brought all the directors of all the different libraries in with the, the, the director of the state and we showed them their styles. Look, she's an eagle. You're all doves and owls. Everybody kind of burst out laughing and we're like, well, there you have it. And, and it removed all the drama. It removed all the stress. It removed all the feeling that she's just doing things against them. And we were able to have a real substantive conversation that said, look, this this is her role. She was brought in because she was the eagle, and and all that judgment went away, and it just it just improved the entire dynamic from from that moment on. When prior to that, it was so stressful for them. Yeah, it's a really important point. You know, there's something that happens in human behavior where if you don't have a clear set of communication from someone on, or you don't, you know, on what it is, what's behind their decision making, the way they're interacting with you, and what I mean by that is. Someone might say something to you that seems very curt and you just don't know that person. So you think they don't like me or or um, they have a problem with what I'm doing. And without the context of, you know, they just came from a meeting that was bad and they're upset. So it wasn't really about you or, you know, that's just the way they talk. Uh, they certainly don't mean to be that way. Those kinds of things can be extremely damaging in organizations, create a lot of conflict. Uh, sounds like you you've uh, been able to address that. It, it reminds me of one of my my favorite quotes, which is uh, uh, the highest by, by Krishnamurti. He said, "The highest form of human intelligence is the ability to observe without judging." 
And, and when you understand someone's style, you understand their intention and it removes judgment. If I get a lot of questions from an owl, it doesn't mean they don't trust me. Mm. It means they need to understand that's their intention. They want it to be right. It actually has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the way they think and their quality focus. And so once I understand them, I can observe them without judging because I understand what's behind their questions. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, one thing that human resources and people officers um, have to deal with more than I think pretty much anyone else in an organization is in the mental wellness of their employees. It's become a focus, but it's always been a thing. It's, you know, uh, people don't just turn off everything that's happening to them at home when they go into the office. So many people have, um, never mind the people that have mental um, health challenges. But, you know, people that don't have those challenges can go through periods of difficulty because something happened at home and they don't want to talk about it. And, you know, often the coworkers will know, but the managers won't if someone's going through something. Right. And if sure. that goes on long enough, that becomes HR's problem. Um, I think there's kind of a movement towards HR understanding that maybe they need to be a little bit more involved or at least create a safe space for their employees to talk about these things or feel comfortable not talking about them. And I guess where, where I'm going with this is that people um, change who they are when they go to work so that they can get through the day, you know? And I would just ask you, do you think that people that are say an Eagle at work are an Eagle at home? Do they, how does this, this interact with that? That does play out sometimes. Sometimes the role that you have draws certain behaviors out of you that you may not display on a regular basis at home. Like let's say, for example, uh, you have to go out and network and meet people in the community and you're an owl. Well, at home, you may have more one-on-one -on -one interactions. It's more of an introverted style that may feed you to be with one or two people as opposed to a networking event with hundreds of people. But at work, you have to display that parrot energy and get out there, talk to people, shake hands, get, get to know them. So sometimes at work, we may show up a little different than we do at home. Now, if it's too different, it's just exhausting. And every day you would go home exhausted. Uh, but there is definitely something to be said. You know, I, I always kind of joke. It's like, it's like uh, your first date with somebody. And here's like, here's how first dates work. It's, it's my representative meets your representative. <laughs> it's who I want you to see that public persona meets who you want me to see. But in reality, once I get to know you, I'm going to get to know that core self, uh, which is, which is really your, your core style. Do do you help people navigate that conflict? Because not everybody, I mean, you mentioned that if you're at work and you're doing something that doesn't fit your role or doesn't fit your personality style, you know, it's exhausting, but that doesn't stop people from being in that job for five years. You know, do you help companies navigate that, like uh, moving people around within a company or altering the way that systems work to accommodate people? I wouldn't say that I'm helping an organization to navigate that as much as the individual. Uh, it, it's a little bit dangerous to say, well, look, this is a job for a parrot and we only need a parrot here. Right. Uh, sometimes you have a team full of parrots, but you have that one owl and it's the one person who is different. It's that one that is not the same style as everyone else. That's the innovator. 
because they look at things from a completely different angle than everyone else on the team. And it doesn't matter which that unusual or different style is, that's your innovator. So you have to be careful about moving people into roles just because you think their style is right for the role. But from an individual perspective, you can help them understand why their job or aspects of their job may be creating stress because those behaviors that are required for that part of your role are not innate and natural. And therefore you're have, having to tap into behaviors that really aren't hardwired. And that's exhausting. It's hard to do that. You can do it. You can be very good at it, uh, but it is exhausting to display behaviors out of your style. So it's more about helping individuals understand perhaps where they will thrive or where they may need to adapt their role, or maybe, want, maybe they may want a different job because they feel like, you know, that, that job over there would feed me all day long. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's good advice. You know, uh, I think I have worked, I worked in that job for a little while, um, <laughs> you know, which was almost exactly the situation you described earlier when we were talking, which was, uh, working in a data entry job. Um, and, and how'd you go home each day? I mean, it was, it was rough, you know? Yeah. You go home and it's exhausting. You're like, Oh, I just gotta, it, cause it's like you, you go home and have to return to factory settings. You've been, yeah. <laughs> you've been working out of your natural mode. Yeah, and I was lucky to be able to find find something within the same organization that uh, that was more suited suited to me, and it was a great a great relief, you know. And I just there's some places where that's not really an option. Um, I think particularly in things like manufacturing, um, particularly really any industry that relies heavily on the workplace beliefs of a hundred to 150 years ago. Sure. You know, well, but what you find though, is that people can move around sometimes within the role. So for example, I've worked a lot with hospital systems around the United States and uh, you know, overwhelmingly it doves and owls and often either the owl dove or dove owl is where you find nurses. Uh, I've seen conferences where I've, I've run assessments for 200 people and, and almost every one of them is the, the owl dove or dove owl. And then there's the one eagle and you say, wait, how'd that happen? Like, and then you talk to them and they say, yeah, I'm in the emergency room. Mm. Well, of course they are because for them, they love that pace that it's going to be fast and we don't know what's going to walk in the door. And I'm going to have to do things to this human that I haven't run any tests yet. And I'm still going to have to do, make decisions and, and, and do things right now real fast. And then we'll send them off for tests and, and they'll, they'll figure it out. But how do you think an owl would be doing things to someone without any test results yet? <laughs> I imagine it'd be very stressful. <laughs> it would be very stressful. So you wouldn't find them there. So sometimes what happens is within the role, you find an aspect of that job that you're comfortable in. Maybe you're in IT and you're the dove, you're the dove parrot. You'd say the dove parrot in IT, how's that happen? Well, but maybe they were now at the help desk where they get to help people and talk to people all day. So sometimes within that world, there is a job for you that allows your personality to shine. Uh, when, an, when an HR manager or a trainer in an organization decides to implement a system like this, um, is it how, how, I mean, I think I might, might know your answer, but how difficult is it for them to get started and what kind of maintenance do they need? I think that's a great question. I think the problem with personality styles training over the years, that it's been very episodic. It's a single training program for a team that you say, hey, this is a team building event for this group, or 
boy, they really need to get to know each other. And it doesn't become culture change. It just becomes a one-time event. And we know learning is not an event. It has to be reinforced. And so it's funny, when I was using letters uh, for 15 years using the DISC model, it, it really was very episodic. It was a team here, a team there, uh, maybe a department or maybe a level of management. Uh, now, what I'm finding is the birds tend to go viral and it tends to be, we, send, we sell more rollouts than we do single training programs. And, and what you do is you, you, you know, in an optimal world, of course, you start with the top and you roll it down, uh, but, but it becomes a common language for everyone in the organization. You walk in and you know, 500 people have a desktop bird sitting on their desk, but it can't just stop there. It's got to be a process. So for me, most people will say, oh, DISC? Oh, yeah, I did that. Or Myers-Briggs? Oh, yeah, we did Myers-Briggs. Okay, it's like diet. Uh, diet? Oh, I did that. <laughs> or exercise? Yeah, yeah, exercise. I, I exercised once. Well, you can't, it can't be an event that happened three years ago. So what I did was I, I built an entire ecosystem uh, at my organization to take flight learning around the four, four birds so that you could go through taking flight with disc and everyone could do that. But then maybe the sales folks go through chameleon selling, which is how do we use the four styles to sell or the leaders then go through chameleon leadership and how do you use the styles to give feedback and delegate and motivate and empower people uh, or innovating ideas. How do we let roll that out to everyone? How do you drive innovation throughout the organization or rediscovering conflict using the styles. So it, it, it can't just be an event. It has to be something that is reinforced over time and becomes a part of the language of the organization. Um, we're getting toward, towards the end here, but uh, before, before I ask you my last question, every system has anomalies and outliers. Have you run into any anomalies, someone that can't be classified, someone that resists classification? No, everybody has a, has a personality. We all have a style. Uh, people who are experiencing a significant amount of change, what happens is that compresses their graph to the midline, and and in a sense, they show up as like all the birds. Mm. Uh, and, and that's people don't, don't don't stay that way. You just got a new job, just had a child, just got married, just moved. Put all those things together, and it just mucks with your your personality for a little while. Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to act? And, and once those settle in, it settles in and, and your graph will revert back to its previous state. But that's really the only place that I, that I see where uh, it's, it's harder to read somebody is when they're experiencing a significant amount of change in their life. That makes sense. Um, I understand that you are currently attempting to apply some of your ideas to things outside the workplace. Do you want to talk briefly about that? Oh, this is fun. I, I had an insight. So I have a new book. It's coming out. It's called Personality Wins, Who Will Take the White House and How We Know. And I, I had an insight, and this was before the last election, that I wonder if there are certain personality styles that beat other personality styles. Is this true? So I had a theory that with the bigger energy, charismatic, direct, outgoing styles of the eagle and parrot beat the dove and the owl, just because they're more reserved. And on this big stage that we have today, would that bigger personality style win? So I started working back in time and, you know, Eagle Donald Trump beats 
uh, Hillary, who's, who's the owl. And I started working back in time into the 2000s, into the 90s, the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s. Got back to 1932 and 22 straight elections. Eagles and parrots beat doves and owls. The only, it's everyone, the only time a dove or an owl had won an election in the general election for president was when they went against another dove huh. or owl. So take Jimmy, right? Think about this, right? Jimmy Carter, dove beats Ford, another dove. Well, a dove's going to win that election. <laughs> but then take Jimmy Carter, put him against Ronald Reagan, Reagan's parrot style, takes the day. George H.W. Bush, owl. Well, he beats Owl Dukakis, okay, and Owl won. Put him against Bill Clinton's parrot, and he loses. Interesting. Same, go all the way back in time. It kept happening. Hoover, Owl goes against, and he wins. But then he goes against FDR, that eagle parrot, and he loses. And this happened over and over and over again. But what's fascinating is prior to 1932, overwhelmingly owls and dove huh. presidents. And you think, well, what happened in 1932? Why does the model completely flip at that point and the answer is media you know i think of tv and, and radio obviously in the early in the 30s and tv in the 50s and 60s and today's social media that bigger personalities who have charisma that fdr's booming personality on fireside chats reached 60 million people well that was just gonna beat uh gonna beat hoover you know someone like calvin coolidge who was called silent cal would not win today or or benjamin harrison his nickname was literally the human iceberg <laughs> imagine the human iceberg winning an election today and they just didn't do it and so so it's a it's an interesting way to learn about style so if you've learned about the personality styles and want to just deepen your knowledge and see how they've played out over history i go election by election president versus candidate all the way back to 32 to the present day. And then I take the all the candidates from today and I talk about each of their styles and, and uh, what their chances are in today's election based upon going against that eagle Donald Trump. You know, would could owl Elizabeth Warren win? Well, history says no owl has beat an eagle in 22 straight elections. Could, could, could dove Pete Buttigieg beat that eagle? I don't know. It hasn't happened before. Uh, so, but you know, someone like, like Bernie Sanders got more Eagle Biden's got more parrot. I'd say just from a pure style perspective, history, we would say, huh, they've got a chance. So that's what the book's about. So if you want to deepen your knowledge of the personality styles, uh, and, and, and learn about perhaps the most interesting election that we've had in a long time, uh, here's your chance to do it. Just actually just went on sale on Amazon the other day. So, uh, you can pre-order it. It'll be out this way. Well, that's very interesting. Uh, it's definitely something to think about. And uh, this has, has been great. I really, uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me today. Oh, my pleasure. That's fun. Absolutely. Listeners, if you're always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next, feel free to reach out to me at jdavis at blr.com with any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general, or if you just want to say hi. Thanks for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works. <laughs>